Welcome to Page, the podcast where writers dissect a single page of their book. I'm your host, Abby Hollick, and each week I'll be speaking to a different best-selling memoirist or non-fiction writer about their most frank, moving or hilarious page. I pick the standout page that examines a breakthrough moment and invite the author to dig deeper. Along the way, we learn a thing or two about how to survive and cope with whatever life flings at us. Holly McNish is a spoken word poet best known for her straight-talking, often hilarious poems about blood, birth, sex, death, masturbation. All the good stuff, basically, and all the things women have been told to shut up about since time began. Holly's poetry videos online have been watched by millions of people across the world. She's the first poet ever to record a poetry and music album at Abbey Road Studios, and she went on to win the Ted Hughes Award for New Work in Poetry in 2017. Her latest book, Slug and Other Things I've Been Told to Hate, fuses prose and poetry and tackles a huge range of subjects, from swimming naked in Finland to period pants, to the pain of attending her granny's funeral on her laptop as it was live-streamed during the coronavirus pandemic. I had the total pleasure of working with Holly on a series about motherhood for BBC Women's Hour. Holly is one of those people in real life and on the page who you just scream yes at. She has a knack for summing up how heartbreak, embarrassment and pleasure feels. I have such great memories of laughing on long train journeys during that job and I remember the beautiful interview Holly did with her granny. Hearing them both admit to how embarrassed they'd felt to breastfeed in front of people was so moving And I'll never forget Holly's grand saying how angry she feels when women say giving birth is like shelling peas. It was no easy task picking a single page from Slug. I was torn between naked mermaid swimming and the many beautiful and hilarious poems remembering Holly's grand. But in the end, I went with page 336. Holly McNish, welcome to Page. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me. (laughs) how are you I'm really really well I've got two days at home in the middle of a tour and it's very nice to be sitting on my floor near my couch (laughs) talking to you good and this is your dream you love to read and then have a chat (laughs) about what you've read (laughs) this is your podcast (laughs) um so if you could start by reading the page I picked that would be lovely When one of my friends told us all in the final school lesson of the day that he couldn't walk home with us because he had to run to get to the shower before his brothers and mum got back so that he had time for a wank, we all went into hysterics, the boys nodding profusely. None of the girls said a word about their own habits. Maybe because we were less likely to have any. Maybe because if we did, we were more worried about admitting to them. Even touching your own body was enough for the slag label to emerge. Any girl who did admit to masturbating was immediately deemed either dirty or weird or up for it. When we moved on to learning about sex, by which I mean reproductive sex, we learned that the penis had to be hard, aroused. We did not learn that the vulva and the vagina should be aroused too, wet, lubed. It just didn't matter. As for allowing these ideas within the biology curriculum in schools, the different wetnesses and textures of all the fluids in the vulva and the vagina are biologically there for different reasons, one of which is in order to help sperm travel faster into the vagina. When at the ovulation spin of my cycle, because the menstruation cycle is not just about blood I have only recently learnt, again, thank you Juliet, 
I am wetter, juicier, more moist. All those words most of the women I know absolutely hate. So this wet-ass pussy, thank you Cardi B for mentioning kegels in a pop song, could have been added purely from a reproductive point of view or in a biology lesson on the menstruation cycle. But it wasn't. Of course it wasn't. It got worse. Whilst female pleasure wasn't discussed, what I was told about was female pain. Pain figured very highly in my lessons on female puberty. Not just the pain of period cramps, but the pain of sex. I was told on more than a few occasions that penetrative sex would actually probably be painful the first few times for those of us with a vagina. And this is something we should put up with until the pain eases. Thank you. I I picked this for so many reasons, but the first thing is that I just laughed out loud and really kind of cheered on that boy. I mean, why shouldn't he rush home to wank? He's got an empty house. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how brilliant. And then, of course, total double standards. A girl could never say that. No, couldn't say it. Couldn't when I was a kid. didn't. Yeah. I I, I don't think still now. I think it's, I definitely think it's changing. But from a lot of the interactions I've had in schools, because I try to mention the word masturbation once if I do like a school workshop or a talk and I'm very well I don't think it's not polite but you know I'm sort of sensible about how I say it but there's always girls that come up to me and um, either say that they still can't admit it or say that they've been called a slag for admitting it um, or joining in conversations with the boys about it so I think it's you know changing but I don't think it's changing (laughs) quickly enough. No okay well I want to get into sex education and girls today but just to rewind back to that moment do you have specific memories of just how you felt when you heard him say that (laughs) yeah I do I really remember it and we got on really well me and this boy and I I just thought it was funny like I didn't really think too much about it at the time and um, I didn't masturbate at the age that we were so I remember thinking um do you mind saying how old how old you were I think must have been like 15 yeah I reckon and I remember being sort of slightly in awe a little bit but at school the boys joked about loads more stuff than the girls and I think that's that's also still the case so I just remember like laughing at boys jokes a lot basically because I did find them funny but they talked about lots of things like that and I remember thinking that's great that he's running back and I hope he gets back before before his brothers do but I do remember the silence every time and girls just being like oh you're disgusting and still like you know I guess still like shaming but in a much more jokey way but I don't remember any of my mates and we were pretty open about stuff and at that age a lot of us had done stuff with boys I think that was the big thing that loads of the timelines for the girls didn't start with their own bodies. They learned about their own bodies after they'd spent a year or two, or, you know, for some people I speak to, 30, especially heterosexual girls and women, learning how to touch a boy's body before they mm. learned how to touch their own or felt comfortable touching their own. And I think that's the thing. That's that's what I think is, it makes me really angry that I like, tried to <laughs> tried to please like a few of the guys basically before I'd even considered my own pleasure like before I'd even thought about it in terms of orgasms I'd 
you know, I consider my own pleasure in other ways, but just not that. And I think for most of the guys at school, from what we spoke about, and we were pretty close, I think that is not the case with, I wouldn't say any of them. I think they all knew how to give themselves an orgasm before they ever gave a girl an orgasm. Whereas I think of a lot of girls gave other people them before they gave themselves. And I think that's, I'd like that to change. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's so right. The the, the focus is on, yeah, pleasing someone else. Yeah. So it struck a chord with me because I've got this really vivid memory of playing spin the bottle and it landed on Dominique and I won't say her surname and everyone asked her do you masturbate and she said yes and our, uh, we, all the girls we just went bright red and we just looked at her I think we were worse to her than the boys we were just like how can you say that yeah which is just awful yeah we weren't there to call her a slag it was just like this it was just like you just thought it was a bit disgusting and you shouldn't admit it. Yeah, I think girls give other girls a worse time a lot of the time than boys. I think the boys didn't really often know what to say, ridiculously. <laughs> Saying that, I overheard uh, three guys on the train the other day talking about uh, how much they'd like to ride one of the girls. They were about 17, 18. One of them was like 19, 20, how much they'd like to ride one of the girls oh, because... Um, she was a she wanked and therefore she must be a, a dirty bitch was how they put it and I remember that I remember the girls that admitted they masturbated which was a uh, few and far between it was just that they were immediately deemed like oh they must like therefore want to have sex with a guy like it was definitely seen as like she is up for it because she touches her own body like she knows her own body therefore she's either a slag or with the girls yeah it was awful the way girls treated other girls. And I think from that defensiveness, basically, just being really defensive about it, either because you didn't do it and you didn't really know about it or because you did and you were too frightened to admit it. The other thing that I've been thinking recently about it all is how much more, like, because so many of the boys do basically make themselves come before they make someone else come. And a lot of girls do, but a lot of girls don't that I've spoken to and women that I've spoken to. Boys are so much more used to coming in front of someone. So I think that's like another thing. Like if you're a girl that first of all doesn't know how to make yourself have an orgasm, and not only do you not know, but you then Mm -hmm. go into sexual relationships with someone else, you not knowing, so you not knowing how to tell them, them not knowing because... To be fair, most teenage boys, I think, have no idea about that anatomy and, like, how would they learn that, really, in a lot of ways. And then you're also not used to, like, having an orgasm in front of someone else, which is a bit of a... Vulnerable, private, yeah. Yeah, it is intimidating and it is vulnerable. Whereas I think for guys, that's that's not such a big step, really. And it's seen as so much, you know, you see it everywhere on, like, films and tv and stuff but yeah so there's so much about it that worries me there's so yeah there's so much in there and I it's just the freedom with which he can say it to his friends and then run home (laughs) yeah I can't imagine that's just there's something so celebratory it's like oh brilliant totally and you know I've only just got that well of course like great (laughs) yeah I just run home go and have some pleasure man like of course (laughs) you've got an empty house but a girl we yeah like you said there's it's just a struggle to admit and I mean you obviously in this piece go into why and the lessons around pleasure I mean first of all you're only hearing the word pain associated to sex but just to start with what you remember of your 
sex education, what, what were you told? We were told that sex was penetrative sex. So I remember that, like that is sex. That's the definition of sex. So you're not hearing foreplay, no. fingering, oral sex, orgasm, no. vibrator. No. These words are just not even... They're not even there. And also, I've got to say, not in a like annoying way, but the word foreplay is so sexist. It's like it basically defines most things that make most women come with the word, which means this is like the before. Mm. So it's, yeah, just defines like a lot of sexuality is something that comes before penetration. But yeah, at, at school, I was told that sex was penetration. I was told that guys had to have erections and be aroused. And I was also told that it ends after male ejaculation. I remember that being really firmly rooted in my head by one of the teachers that that was, you know, this is the process. And because they conflated, they didn't call it reproductive sex as such. They just called it sex. Um, So, yeah, I wasn't told about anything that we, like, label foreplay at all. And I was told that it might be painful. And I think that's the thing that makes me feel sick now because sex should not be painful And it is an awful thing to say. Like the first time I had sex, penetrative sex, it was not painful. I was so ready and I was so excited and we'd done loads of stuff first. And I I think that's such a a horrible thing to tell people to expect pain. And obviously loads of like women and girls don't go to doctors when they have pain in their like vulva and vagina area because you're just told constantly to expect pain. And, you know, fair enough with periods when we were taught about that can be painful. But sex shouldn't be painful. If it's painful, it means you're either, you know, not ready or there's something wrong often. I remember thinking we kind of not done it right because it didn't hurt. Me too. That's, I mean, you're Me so ready for the pain. Yeah, it was awful. I remember exactly the same thing. My first time was so nice. Yeah. <laughs> Having penetrative sex. Yeah, it's awful that that's also called the first time. You know, my first orgasm was definitely more of a momentous occasion. I think it must be pressurised for boys as well, though. The fact that we define sex so much by penetrative sex like the amount of guys that are so scared that they like won't get hard or get hard too soon or will like come too early, all that stuff. Whereas actually, you know, if they learn other skills, it sort of takes the pressure off the penis. <laughs> so I think it would be a win-win for, for you know, everyone really. Yeah, definitely. And can, can you remember how hard it was to start talking about kind of female pleasure in public? Or, or was it hard? Yeah, yeah, it was. But I didn't until I was in my 30s I think and um I know quite a lot of people that that it was that kind of age I remember the first time I said to somebody (laughs) can you can you possibly just in case I'm late for the school run so in that case the first time must the first time I spoke about it like that must have been like 33 I reckon and I said, could you possibly, you know, just watch out just in case I'm like five minutes late. And then I went round the house for a cup of tea and I said, to be honest, I was having a wank and I really just wanted to come. So I knew I'd, I knew it would be like, you know, five minutes, but I was like almost there and I was thinking, come on. And she said, oh, I'm so glad you admitted it. That's happened to me a few times before. And that sort of thing. So like... 
I remember saying that, but I said it. You know, you just don't know with women as well. And I'm sure I'm sure it must be the same with guys, especially when you're in a relationship. It seems to be like, you know, you only are allowed to masturbate when you're not in a relationship, which is something else that really bothers me. But um, yeah, we said it in front of like another woman and she was just horrified. <laughs> so, so it's like, oh, but I get, I get a lot of like, 18 to 25 year old women that um contact me most about that subject in a sort of um I guess sort of a thank you way as as wanky as that sounds to you is a, a good word what yeah. do you think so so <laughs> still and what and what's your experience in schools you said that younger girls will come up and say thank you so they're still feeling a, a fear around being open yeah, so I've not I've not read a poem about masturbating in schools from the book, although there's quite a lot of them because I guess they're deemed too inappropriate to read a lot of them. But the the way that I mentioned it, I was thinking, oh, I've got to mention it. I really want to normalise this because it's so awful when things like that aren't normalised, and it's so shameful. And I think it's like, it's sort of a joke now in my in my family a little bit, and <laughs> even with people that I see that come to gigs the idea of talking about masturbating but I think it's so important because it's like the safest type of sex anyone can have and in an age of like you know people being told horrible things about their bodies or being shamed all the time and really unsafe sex that you can have and all the issues around consent it's like masturbation is like the gold ticket and there is you know nothing negative about it at all so I think it's really important that we start sex education in schools with your own body, which is what they do in the Netherlands. They start with your own body and then masturbation as the safest form of sexual activity that you can have. But we don't do that at all still in the UK and I find it weird. But um, the first time I did it, it wasn't intentional. There was like a Q&A and it was about 16 plus the age group of students. And somebody asked me because I said I worked from home I worked from cafes a lot when I was at home a lot. And they said, oh, why do you go into cafes? Why don't you work from home? And I've been asked that loads in schools. And normally I say, you know, oh, I get distracted or I get distracted by the washing, you know, stuff like that. I start tidying or making dinner. But that's, it's not true. Like mainly masturbation is the, <laughs> is the like, thing I get distracted by the most if I'm working from home. Like way more than putting on an extra load of washing it's like, that's not the number one thing that I think, mm, I could do it. And I thought, you know what, I'm not going to lie anymore just because these are, are like young people. This is ridiculous that you're not saying it. And I said, oh, you know, just because I get distracted by things, like sometimes I'll, I'll start thinking about, you know, cleaning. Mainly I get distracted by the possibilities of masturbating. And then I just carried on talking. So I did it very much like, or, or like, you know, I go and want to make 500 cups of tea or whatever. So I just said it as part of a sentence, like a very fleeting comment. And I've never had such, <laughs> such a cue of teenage girls after like a reading in a school coming up to me and one girl was in floods of tears which is what this is what made me think that I should publish the other poems and stuff because I hadn't that was like way before I'd written slug and I'd never shared a poem about masturbating before and this girl was crying and saying that she'd admitted the week before to masturbate and while the boys were talking about it and she's just been given so much hassle of girls and branded a slag by all the boys and she's getting bullied so much for it, it and that was like at the tiniest mention of the fact 
that I masturbate and just saying it like it was normal, which I think it is. And it was because of that that it made me think, all right, you should probably share some of these poems that you've written. God, that's that's awful. It's rubbish, isn't it? Touching your yeah. own body, man. So this was in the paper yesterday. In March 2021, a group of gynaecologists and epidemiologists published the results of a study that involved giving surveys to patients in outpatient waiting rooms of a UK hospital. Participants were asked to label the different parts of the vulva in their own words. Pee hole and bum hole were accepted for the urethra and anus, respectively. Just 46% identified that there are three holes, while almost half left the labelling section blank. Only 9% correctly labelled all seven structures. So they label the clitoris, labia majora, labia minora, urethral opening, vaginal opening, perineum and anus. People have no idea. The article goes on to say that patients may come in and say they've had a bladder repair, but we don't repair the bladder, we repair the vaginal wall. It's worrying when people don't know if they've had a prolapse operation. Going through the surgery is a major event in someone's life. So people have had operations and they haven't even understood what the operation was yeah. for. Yeah, I'm really glad you read that out because as much as I don't really mind, sometimes, I guess after a couple of years, I get a bit sick of people, um, I'm not sick of it, but a lot of people make like jokes about these subjects so it's like oh here's holly wants to talk about fannies again sort of thing and i know that's how we work in this culture Mm. but i guess that's one of the examples isn't it of why it's so dangerous it's not like i'm desperate for every teenager to start wanking but it's dangerous it's dangerous not to own your body and dangerous it's dangerous to be embarrassed to talk about these parts of the body. And yeah, that is shocking. It doesn't surprise me at all. Like, I don't think I would have known that until I was in my 20s. And I don't think I would have known, like, the two different labia until I was in my yeah. 30s. And I had never looked at my vulva until after I'd had a kid. And I remember a few women talking about the differences and bits that are torn and prolapses and stuff like that. And I said, oh, I've no idea if it looks any different now. Mm-hmm. And they were all like, basically laughing at me but drawing pictures of like the differences of that sort like different things that happened but yeah I mean that it is it's shocking isn't it and the the other thing is it's so easily fixed by just putting it on the curriculum and stop being such I, I don't know what our problem is with teaching the correct anatomy I'm getting I'm getting really sick of being sort of making polite arguments of why it should be okay I had a survey from my daughter's primary school and it was about PSHE because I a few people complained about it and um and the thing is with teachers it's it's really not their fault like people complain like one of my friends teaches PSHE and she said the biggest complaint she'd had was about teaching the the anatomy of the vulva and the vagina and she mentioned the fact that it would be good to like look at yourself so that you know what your body looks like because obviously for boys they see it like it's on the outside of their body and unless you go and look it's a bit like masturbating like it's not so obvious if you've got a vulva well this was the comment a number of the parents said well it, it it's fine with boys because it's all clear it's all out yeah. there and clear 
It's like, well, let's get some diagrams and clear it yeah, up. And also the idea... <laughs> this is not complicated. No, it's not complicated. None of it's complicated. Like, the body isn't complicated. Orgasms are not complicated. Like, I'm not saying not for everybody, but for the majority, is the same amount, despite gender. They're not complicated. It's not rocket science. Um, but we seem to be complicating it so much. There was a question on um, on this primary school survey, and it said... At what age do you think it's okay to teach children the correct anatomical names of body parts? And it obviously was referring specifically to the word vulva, Mm -hmm. because that's what the previous question had been about. I didn't say it, and I I wrote a sort of joke reply, like, what do you mean? Like, maybe shoulders we should teach at age five, and feet we should teach at, like, two, (laughs) like, head only when you're 15. But it's, I, I don't know what we're so scared of. But it's, <laughs> it really needs to change. But it's hard. It's really hard for teachers. Like they get complaints, and they can get you know they they can lose their jobs if they do something that's deemed inappropriate or talk about something inappropriate. Um, I can't get my mindset around a parent who thinks it's not okay for girls to like own their bodies. I think that's I think that's the problem. This idea that we think that you know knowing your body and feeling ownership over your body and and knowing how to please yourself it's like I I don't see what people can complain about that yeah and it's got to start there to it's got to start there to go on to have healthy sexual relationships with other people there's such a such a dark undertone to this where it's leaving women you know from primary school right up until the end of their lives women just not feeling comfortable with their bodies and sexually and um, not even knowing things about their own health yeah. or able to even say wet or moist or vagina or, vul- or vulva sorry I mean I've taught my sons to say vagina and I need to I need to change that yeah it's it's weird isn't it because you sort of um you're like oh I can go that far but <laughs> I remember one of my friends saying oh I've done vagina but vulva's just a bit far it's like but it is a different body part. And the vulva is like everything apart from the vagina, basically. It's like the labia, the clitoris, the urethra, like that's all the vulva. So yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. It's hard though. I don't like it when people act like it's... Um, I have a, f- a few people comment on posts because I put quite a lot of posts about well, this because I write about it a lot. And people, if somebody, which happens quite a lot, somebody says, oh, I just can't. Like, I just can't use the word vulva. It's just too much. Um, It's just too much. And sometimes I do get people underneath, women that are more confident about all this and do see it as obviously important, saying, oh, for goodness sake, you're a 30-year-old woman. Like, this is ridiculous. And that annoys me way more than people are, like, too scared to say the words. Like, I think it's so unhelpful. It's like, all right, so now we're shaming people because they find it hard to say a word that for the last 100 years we've been told culturally that we should never utter it's like come on (laughs) cut us some slack we can't be shamed for like having a vulva and shamed for like not being able to say it (laughs) it's like no because it is difficult and also so I still don't say vulva if I'm like talking to my boyfriend about where to touch and stuff because I'd say, you know, could you kiss my neck or like stroke my shoulders or like rub oil into my nipples or whatever. It's not like I need different words for that. But the idea of it just sounding unsexy, but maybe I just need to get my head around that. And also, if you've got like a penis and testicles, it's similar. It's not like men 
you know, loads of guys don't go and get checked up for stuff because they don't want to say the word testicles and stuff. So they, it's not like it's totally fine for them. Um, it's just even worse <laughs> to talk about vulvas, I think. And it's amazing in terms of sort of sexual stuff because it's, you know, the vagina is obviously focused on penetrative sex is focused on and loads. I do quite a lot of poems about fingering at gigs and like f- funny ones funny but funny with an undertone of like I actually find this quite serious but loads and loads of people that have been married for years say oh I just I feel a bit like guilty or I feel like it's too much to ask him to like just like keep rubbing my clitoris and keep it's like but you do that with his penis like it's just the same (laughs) but we're just made to think that that's normal and if you don't orgasm from like penetration which most people don't most women don't it, there's this weird thing of thinking that you're you're asking for too much just for asking for like the same amount of pleasure. And how did you approach some of these conversations with your daughter? Like when you saw the gaps in the curriculum at her school. Was there a kind of book you turned to or a mate you talked to about how to approach these these subjects? Yeah, so I just sort of, I guess, bit my lip and just spoke about it. So I just live with her. So just living on your own as a woman, so since she was about four, it's going to be a bit different. And I know lots of people in families and they don't, I guess, I don't know, walk around naked quite so much and all that sort of stuff. So having just two females in the house I think there is a bit of a different atmosphere things to do with periods like I I don't I think that also makes a difference how you live because I couldn't really hide that from my daughter like when me and her dad lived together we only had one bathroom we lived in a small flat like we can't I guess if you've got like an ensuite bathroom as parents then your children are less likely to see you on the toilet all the time but I, I don't know how people like keep that so my daughter very early on saw me wringing out period pants basically or I don't think I put a tampon in front of her fridge just because I was really worried that she'd try it <laughs> but in terms of you know parenting like you might copy this but I like showed her what they were and talked about what they did and that I think the first time I had to was that I went swimming and I, I needed to change it before I went swimming and we're sharing a cubicle I can't tell my like four-year-old daughter to go and like stand outside she might run away in the swimming pool and then to do with sex I was worried about teaching her about sexual things mainly because I thought she'd then want to do it so that was my main problem with telling her like a, a positive thing about sex so lots of my friends said to their kids sex is what adults do to make babies I didn't want to tell her that because it's not true like 99% of the time that's not the case and I don't think that's very helpful (laughs) but also I do think it's a bit dangerous because it sets up sex as penetrative sex which I think is what has messed up my sex life or did for quite a while but I was worried that I would say you know oh it's really good it's you know different basically it's like touching genitalia all sex is like touching each other's genitals <laughs> till it feels great I didn't want to lie that's pretty much what it is whether with your hand with your tongue with oil with your penis with your vulva whatever it's like just rubbing genitalia it's quite cave person like I think really if we get down to it but one of my friends I talked to her about it 
And she said, Holly, you tell your daughter all the time that you like go to clubs and you are going to go out for cocktails with your friends. You tell her about lots of other things that you do that she can't do because she's a child and that's for adults. You know, you have a glass of wine in front of her and she knows she can't have a glass of wine because it's not for children. So I think that's how I got around it with a lot of like partnered sexual acts. I just say it's like this is something that adults do, but not with masturbation. I don't use the adult thing with that, but in terms of with other people. So I've I've said, you know, not gone into details, but I've said that you basically it feels really lovely if you both want to and it's basically rubbing each other's <laughs> each other's like vulva rubbing the clitoris so with masturbation she she came to you with a question first no i told her first that you because she asked about sex because people use the word sex a lot and i said that and i said but people also like to rub their own bodies and that's called masturbation and it's you know your body you can you're allowed to touch your own body whenever you want and if you touch it in certain ways when you feel like you want to do that then it can feel really nice so she asked me when that starts to work because <laughs> then I was like, I was like, I said, yeah, I do that. And I mainly like rub my vulva. And she's like, like, don't get me wrong. She's like, eh, eh. it's not like I'm comfortable with this, but I am, I am like hooked if I'm going to have her go through the same shit that I went through. And I hate the idea. Like people have said, oh, but that's just when you're younger, sex is like a fumble. You know, it's as if, yeah, but you don't know. And that's part of the innocence of it. It's like, no, it's not. And especially not for girls. It's unsafe. <laughs> like it wasn't a fumble, my first sexual experiences. Some of them, some of them were great, but they, it wasn't a fumble that I never had an orgasm. That was purely because of my education and culture that I made loads of boys come before I ever did. Like, that's not me being a fumbly teenager. That's what we're taught and what we learn. I want it to be consensual and safe and pleasurable for, for my kid. And mm. I wanted to know stuff. But, to like, oral sex was the one that I was really worried about. And I was sort of forced into telling her what it was by this vegan slogan on the pavement when we were walking into town to go to the library, just a very nice day to go to the library. And there was graffiti on the pavement that said, um, eat pussy, not animals. And it was like a vegan, a vegan graffiti. And um, my daughter, Rhett, I can't remember what she was, but she read it and she was like, eat pussy, not animals, but a pussy is an animal. And then she said, oh, is it hip-hop pussy? Because she's heard the word pussy in, in songs on the radio and I'd said, okay, this is what this is referring to. I don't want, I didn't want her to start secondary school and not know what this stuff meant because you're just going to be like yeah. laughed at for it or you're just not going to, you know, know what to say if somebody slags you off and you don't know what they're saying. So I told her that pussy is another word for vulva that some people think is like rude and people use it in songs sometimes and stuff like that. We've talked about it. So she was like, eat pussy. Oh, hip hop pussy. What do you mean, eat pussy? What's, what, how can you eat a fanny? Oh, <laughs> God. So that's how, that's how we got. And I said, well, you know what I said about people liking to like rub each other's bodies? Adults. I always say adults liking to rub each other's bodies if they both want to do it. Well, an, another way they sometimes do that is like with their mouth. And she was absolutely horrified. Absolutely horrified. And just said, you 
are so weird. Adults are so weird. And then she said to me, which is the hardest question I've ever had to answer, but I've read so many books about like not trying to make out, especially for women, like you don't like sex. Like the idea of acting like you do it to make a baby and not for pleasure is like, it's not very helpful. And she said, have you ever done that? Have you ever licked anyone's penis? <laughs> and that I think that was my moment when I was like, I need to call a friend. Like, I need to phone a friend. And I can't because you're asking me this. We were meant to go to the library. And instead, these bloody vegans have brought up a conversation about oral sex. And I said, yes, I have. And honestly, even after thinking that I don't want to shame anyone for sexual pleasure, that I think that is the hardest thing I've ever had to say to my kid because I still felt like I want you to think that I am this angel of a mother. And after all I've read and all I've written about, I still thought that is going to change my daughter's attitude towards me. Like it's so ingrained. And she was like, why? Why have you done that? And I said, because I wanted to. And we were in a lovely relationship and we both wanted to because it felt really nice and we were adults and it was consensual. And then she just went, oh, if I ever, ever wanted to do that when I was older, they'd have to be, like, so clean. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I agree, oh, but don't ever, Molly. like, scrub. It's awful. Don't, well like, done, this stuff is... you, though. That is Maybe. not easy. I've done, I haven't... I mean, it's difficult I, though. It's it so is difficult. difficult. It is difficult. I I kind of just hold on to the fact, like my kind of internal monologue is always like, I do want you to hear this from me and not someone else. And you know, secondary school, someone else is going to get there. Yeah, first, and also or a picture's going to be sent. So you want to yeah. just you want to lead that conversation. It goes in somewhere. Um, I think so. But and some of the conversations, because I was. Um, pregnant when my first and second son were quite young and then they just had a million questions about pregnancy you know how, oh, how it yeah. works how did that happen and I just thought I just solved everything by getting pregnant because I could just <laughs> sit down and have loads and loads of chats about how it all happened and what feels nice yeah. and what's now happening in my body and I was like we I've done it I'm done and then of course yes. they just, you have to keep they're just it's just layers isn't it then another yeah. year passes and you need to approach it again, but from with different words and from a different angle. And then a, another year passes and it's oral sex on the way to the library time. Like it, it's it. never, that's the bit that I struggle with. It's, it's like, you're not done with that conversation. It's coming back round. Yeah, it's coming back It is coming back, back round. round. <laughs> you're on a and break. Also the, it's awful, but the negative effects. The main thing I thought about the oral sex conversation was that I remember girls who gave oral sex they were treated the worst by other girls like the worst and they were often like at a few parties I went to a guy would walk out of the room and he'd just been given a blowjob basically and then he'd call the girl who'd just given him this like lovely pleasure a slag and then other girls wouldn't talk to her like she was just it was so awful and I thought I do not want my daughter to ask me that and for me to say no no, I haven't done that. And for mm. her to then, if she, you know, starts secondary school and a girl does do that, I don't want her to think, uh, like that's gross. My mum would never do that. I basically, I was like, you need to respect me despite the fact that I like to give a blowjob to my boyfriend. Like you need to respect me 
with that but at the same mm. time also know that this is an adult thing and <laughs> it's not mm. for you but also in terms of child protection like mm. that's also my number one thing I heard and this is a it's probably a really horrible a horrible thing to say but it's at the back of my head with all of these conversations because I don't know if I'm doing it right but I remember watching a documentary about Jimmy Savile and somebody was asking him before before everything came out about women and girls and he said it was along the lines of I don't like women women know too much I know girls who don't know and I just thought I I just cannot have my daughter grow up in case in any way somebody tries to pretend to her you know I've heard stuff about people not realizing that somebody has been raping them obviously because they didn't know what sex was and they didn't know they didn't know that you know this is oral sex this is not like a game that you play so horrific stories of abuse and I thought Mm -hmm. so obviously so limited stuff that you can sometimes do with that but that is always at the back of my head and also the shame like this sort of shame the idea of this being shameful as soon as you think something shameful it immediately makes it easier for somebody to tell you not to tell other people about it so it's that Mm -hmm. at the back of my head despite not wanting to say to my daughter she also called me a penis licker (laughs) for a week so like literally before, before bed, called me a penis no. licker. And I was like, listen, that's not, don't. And then I was thinking, stop calling me that. And then I was like, is that making it shame? But I was like, this is, is hard. It's difficult. But there's lots of reasons why I think openness is, is important, I guess. And do you, I mean, do you know of any organisations, you mentioned the Eve Appeal further down in the page, but who is campaigning to sort out children's sex education right now? The one I follow online, which I find really helpful, is called Sex Positive Families. Okay. Um, And that's the main one I follow. I also follow a woman called Sex Doctor online, and she's it's not just to do with, like, the curriculum. But it has changed. Like, September last year was the first time it had changed in a long time to include, like, healthy relationships and consent and stuff and to talk about porn and things like that. But from, from what I've heard from teachers, it's just is such a grey area and it's so scary for them to not quite know what they're allowed to say and stuff. I guess this is the changing point and that's always going to be a bit odd. So there's a woman called Alice Hoyle who does loads um, for this and there's a book called Great Relationships and Sex Education and it's like it's basically sort of like teaching activities with everything in it and then I got sent one called Sex Ed an inclusive teenage guide to sex and relationships and that's by the school of sex ed mm. so it's school of sex basically um, mm. and for all its you know downfalls social media i think i've learned more about the anatomy of my i was gonna say privates because i still find the word vulva very <laughs> difficult despite having used it many times in the book i've certainly noticed that a lot of the books are divided into the body book for girls the body book for boys yeah which is how girls bodies work how boys bodies work and i'm like can we can i i need i need my kids to know about periods just because they're boys so yeah. i finally bought i finally bought a good one uh last week called what is a period i mean obviously they knew a little bit from the sex book for boys but everything seemed for boys or for girls and I just thought well that's already (laughs) setting up yeah division yeah totally and we're all bodies they're learning about what snails do on a David Attenborough (laughs) documentary so they can learn about girls totally yeah and also like I went to a mixed school yeah so we spoke to each other 
like a bit, but loads of people go to single sex schools as well. So they're just, I don't get a chance at all. Yeah, I, so those two books aren't um, separated. I had actually one of me, <laughs> one of my daughter's mates is a boy, one of her best mates, and he um, was asking me lots of questions about tampons and stuff because I, I think he saw one in the bathroom. I leave them out in the bathroom, so that's another thing, is I leave stuff like that out just in case people need it, but also mm. to make it normal and my gran used to be like can I just put this back in the cupboard <laughs> um but he asked about it so then I like got out all the stuff I, I said to his mom do you mind he's like asked me and she was like oh no please <laughs> please do so I put like a new pair of it was like period pants you know the like absorbent ones and then I had a moon cup that I still haven't tried to use because the period pants too good so I've I've not really done that yet. So it's clean is what I'm, that's why I'm saying that. Moon cup and then sandwich towel and uh, a tampon. And one of my mates said that she'd given it to her daughter and told her to put it in a cup of water just so she could see how absorbent it was. So I was like, all right, I'll copy that. You just like learn from your friends, don't you? So they both like dip in a tampon in this glass of water. But it took... Brilliant. That was like a half, half an hour and it was pretty funny. And that was it. And now it's like, I, I can't believe this is like, we just, I don't know, we just make it so difficult and it should be funny. That's the word to hold on to, isn't it? Normalise, normalise, Normal- normalise, yeah. normalise. Just, just it, keep hearing it, yeah. keep thinking about it. Some days it's gross, some days it's okay. Yeah. You'll go through all the emotions <laughs> yeah. with it. Some days it, you know, it's easier, but you know, sex is funny and awkward yeah. and sometimes good and sometimes weird and some, you know, yeah, totally. it's just make that okay. And, yeah. and, and to giggle about these well, things. Yeah. I do feel like the whole different types of wetnesses and textures, as you mentioned in the, in the piece, that was one for me because I didn't realize for a long time until I read Maisie Hill's period power about all the different types of fluids are you know our body female bodies create and, and and the different reasons why and 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 that must be added you know that's that doesn't need to be to do with pleasure <laughs> people no. if teachers or or the government curriculum wants to stay off pleasure this is just biological anatomy stuff yeah. that can come up in biology surely yeah, surely but i mean really is it just most people i know won't even say the word moist or wet i can't imagine like different vaginal lubrications come like but yeah you're right it should we talk about sperm and we talk about sperm swimming and we talk about what it looks like and all this different stuff um yeah so I didn't know that until I was uh just before I wrote slug because my friend Juliet who's also the one that said that for goodness sake you talk to your daughter about cocktails and she's not you know busting into your cocktail cabinet I feel like we should have got Juliet on I think you should. No offense, Holly, but yeah. I want Juliet no, on. All right. She was. She's also a scientist, so uh, oh. she's pretty helpful. But yeah, she was the one that said, um, "Oh yeah, you know if you probably know if your period's coming, then if you've got like the egg white texture." I was like, "What are you on about?" And then to be, this is maybe gross, but whatever. I'll I'll just go there. But then I I got it on my finger after I'd masturbated, and she said at one point it's like so stretchy. And then I had it, and then I pulled my fingers apart, and it <laughs> just like, I don't know what you call it, the juices, whatever, it stretched so much. And I texted her, and I was like, Jesus, I think I just stretched it. <laughs> but things like that is like gross, but it's also funny. Like it is funny, and it's ridiculous. Is that so? so when yeah. it's like that, that's to capture the sperm, right? 
yeah, to, I, like I'm not an expert in any way in this, but it's, I think it's to make to make it easier for it to for them swim. to swim. Does it swim? Does it really swim? Not sure. So I heard the other day that actually the egg pulls the sperm. So it's not about the fastest sperm; it's about the one that the egg chooses anyway apparently there's been a new mm. discovery idea do you know what it's exciting not knowing is exciting there's so many books to read so many i'm just books. gonna keep reading yeah I i'm know. just gonna keep reading until i yeah know it all yeah right holly thank you so much <laughs> this right. has been lovely i could get, talk about this for hours get lots of hate mail like i can't believe you told your daughter that oh. you lived venus that'll be it i'll be done <laughs> oh no don't say that thank you for listening to page if you've got a moment i'd love it if you could rate and review this episode to help me get the word out and keep the show going you can also find great photos and information about next episodes over on twitter and instagram at abbyholic oh and please subscribe did i say that please subscribe on apple spotify wherever you get your podcasts Page is a Good Tape production, produced by me, Abby Hollick, original music by Paddy Jervis and Rob Sell for Torch and Compass, sound engineer support from Hunter Charlton and Chris Sharp, graphic design from Tim Hughes. Thanks, team. <laughs> <laughs>